you to reveal your blessings to us more and more, Lord. So many times we were, were looking for everything else and looking at everything else but the blessings that you have already given us. Remind us, Lord, that you love us, that you care about us, and you're for us. Though the world may be against us, you are for us. May we stand upon that, stand in that, and be encouraged in that. May we know that your hand is over this world, that you are controlling all things, and you're working it all to an end, that there is an end that we're all going towards, and that your name be magnified in our life, and in this world. And one day it will happen completely. And that we can fully rest in that promise. God, be with all the churches that are meeting whatever capacity, wherever they are. Be with all our Christians, brothers and sisters, who we may never meet on this side of eternity, but when we get to heaven, we, know, we will meet them. And say, remember that time where the Lord came through? And speak to each other about how great God is and what he did in our life. God, that's an exciting thing to think about. To know that our end is with you. And that's why we know in the end everything's going to be okay. God, convict us of our sins. There's stuff that we hide, Lord. Stuff that we don't realize. Stuff that, we, that are going on that we don't even know. Help us to see it through your word. Convict us. We're good at justifying our sins. We're good lawyers. But Lord, you be the judge and say, no, no. So we can just cling to the cross and know that we are forgiven. Help us, Lord, to live out this faith that you have given us, Lord, and the faith consistently before you. And fill us with hope, love, and peace. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So we are working now towards the end of the book of Ephesians. Paul has been really emphasizing that we as, as Christians are to take up this whole armor of God as we go about our life. He's been really stressing this because now that we are Christians, we have a great enemy. And it's not the person next to you. Tell your wife, see? Tell your husband, see? It's not you. Namely, it's Satan. His minions who are influencing, he is the great enemy, influencing everything in this world to promote you to follow after your sin and to follow everything else and be invested in everything else but Christ. So what Paul is basically getting at is that every day there is a spiritual war that's going on between the church at large and Satan's kingdom. There's a clash. And though one day it will all come to an end, and that's when Christ comes back to this earth on Judgment Day. It's going to end one day, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it's still going on here. And Paul, at the end of this book, is reminding us Christians that every day that we live on this earth, we need to realize that there is a real spiritual war going on around us, and it's not just off in some far-off place or some distant country where missionaries are planting the gospel for the first time. But the spiritual battle in dealing with Satan's influence is right here amongst us every day. That there is a spiritual battle at your work. There's a spiritual battle at the mall. There is a spiritual battle at the sport games, your school, with your hobbies at your home, 
And even in this church, as I preach. See, Paul has been speaking about taking up this whole armor of God, not at certain times in your life, like when you see bad times coming or that you know you're going to have to face some certain temptation because of some person or thing that you're going to have to deal with. Paul has been stressing that we are to take up this armor of God at all times in our life, with all things in our life, and leave absolutely nothing out. For Satan and his minions have no boundaries. They have no sacred things that they won't touch or be involved with. No matter how precious or lovely, innocent, good, holy, or neutral something may seem to you, Satan will try to use it against you so that you follow after sin more and more and trust Christ less and less. There is a raging spiritual war that's going around us that is going around in your presence to entice you to sin all the more no matter what you do or where you go. See, Satan is no... Satan is no respecter of persons or situations or seasons of your life. If there's a hard season in your life, he doesn't care. So do not think that he has any pity for you and that you are above his influence if things are going rough or things are going well. Do not think even for a moment that his influence will not affect you. Now, here's the thing. Sure, he's not, he will most not likely, like most likely he's not going to show up to you face to face or personally come after you individually. Satan and his minions can't be literally everywhere at once. They're not God. They can only be in one place at one time. But understand their influence can reach and is reaching farther than you can imagine. And it's breaking every stinking boundary that you set up in your own power. And Paul in chapter 6 then is wanting us to always then to keep that in mind as believers. Satan's goal through his influence in this world is to have every Christian forget or not pay attention to the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Or put differently, to have you not make much of Christ by faith as you live your life and to make little of him so that you fall into sin more and more which is why you need to take up this whole armor of God to battle Satan and his ways, because in your own power, you will fail. Satan and his ways, Satan and his minions are always on this mission, for example, to make you think you're greater than you are, you're stronger than you are, so that you don't take up this armor and you see it as unnecessary because you got it. For example, Satan does not want you to realize that you are not as loving as you think you are. Okay? He wants you to think that you're good at it. You know, this whole loving your neighbor thing, you got it. You know, you love some people. And sure, you even love some people who have rough edges. There might be a lot of those people. But you love them. And he wants you to forget that there are those in your life who you do not really love at all, but you pretend to love. And and to justify this pretending 
in your life because it's the right thing to do. It's the Christian thing to do. But really, you pretend to love because you don't want to look bad. And you're okay with that. You know why? Because they're horrible people anyways, and they don't even deserve your pretending, but you're doing it. So you just give in and justify this self-righteous love that is no real love for that other person, really. Because in the end, it's about you. And about you using these bad people to make yourself feel better and look better in front of everyone else. See, the way this world interacts with you, through Satan's influence, in all areas of life, is that it's always trying to deceive you to think that you're more patient and kind and humble and selfless and wise and gracious and what a good boy am I. To make you think you're great at those things, then, but you're actually not. This world will give you reason after reason as why you're so great and good on, with these things on your own. You're better than the rest. You're better than that one dude. So that you grow in self-righteousness, grow in self-dependence, and it only leads to sin and self-centeredness. You know, it's strange when you are the, you know, when you, when you look at your life and you tend, tend to be the, the greatest person of the month, every month. Because <laughs> the whole point is that so you don't go to Jesus then to truly produce all those things like love within you. And don't go to him to truly enable you to live out that love with those things or people in your life by putting on his armor. Because remember, when you put on his armor, that's saying you can't do it. Or, or the very worst, or I'm sorry, the very opposite thing would happen. If you're not going that way, you're going this way. That's through Satan's influence in this world that this world will come at you so hard with accusation after accusation and just layer after layer of how worthless you are and really you're just a big hindrance and a waste of life to those around you and that this world then will just become a giant show of all your mistakes and failures and imperfections that you just get led into believing that no one cares about you and no one really cares about your life really and in fact God doesn't really love you anymore because you're just such a mess up with whatever person or relationship or thing, so that you then just end up living in isolation from people, and especially in isolation from your church family. That even though you may be present amongst the people physically, emotionally and mentally, you're just not there. You're cut off because you're just so apathetic, so done, because you're so hidden in your box of despair, anger, or rage, or fear, or whatever. This world will do its best to reveal over and over again the disappointment that people have with you and you'll live in there so that you end up just putting yourself in this fetal position defeated in a pit of hopelessness and joylessness. And then in the end, the armor of God just seems so powerless because you're so focused on yourself and your personal issues and then you end up just living in doubt of God and his glorious armor of wonder, and you never put it on. 
and believe that, and you believe in this lie that this armor can really do nothing, it can't bring you through any of these problems, and nor can it change any of these problems and mess that you have made. Because again, you feel like God doesn't love you anymore. You feel like you, you don't feel like He's your child, uh, that, he, that He is your father and you are His child because you just messed up so much and you just give up with whatever or whoever. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul is saying in chapter 6 that God's armor can and does change us. It enables us to live with victory over both of those extremes or going towards, well, you may not be at one end or the other, but I guarantee you things are happening that's pushing you one, or, one way or the other. To change us, to remind us to be a victory over both of these extremes in our life and all situations with all people and things. And, and because he's given us this armor, because he loves us, and he knows we're helpless on our own. For again, this armor of God has already won because of Jesus. This armor really, ultimately, in the end, is Jesus himself for us through faith in him. So, Paul, so with Paul um, saying, put on this whole armor then, he is in summary just saying, go to Jesus with everything, go to Jesus for everything, go to Jesus to sustain everything all by faith in him. Why? Because he loves you unconditionally and this is how you overcome the evil one in your life and overcome the sin in your life. So our title today is called Suit Up, part one. So our text is going to be Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 14. And Paul here then really begins to break down what putting on this armor of God looks like by faith in our life. And, and he does that through identifying each, each piece of the armor that we're, we're, we're to put on that really we already have in Christ. So we're going to look at our text and see what Paul has to say to see what we've been blessed with in Jesus already, and we just need to realize more and more that we have it through faith in him as we face the demonic realm in our sin. Paul says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to sound like Porky Pig. Um, So in light of Satan, okay, in light of Satan and all his power and his influence just, just beaming straight at us, coming for you as you were looking at you. Paul says, we fight such a tremendous and powerful evil by standing. Not going, not moving, not running, not walking, but standing still by faith in Christ. Standing upon the ground that Christ has laid. Standing upon what Christ has gained. Standing upon the foundation of Jesus Christ in his gospel. And it's important to see and understand that as we look at then these pieces of armor. Because Paul is not saying, go out, do more, go out, fight more. No, he says, trust more. Place your faith in what has already been done and already been won. Stand firm in faith in Christ, in his armor. Put it on, his armor that has already won on your behalf. We stand in and from the victory of Jesus to face the evil powers and the sins in our life. We stand in the armor that has beaten this world and rely upon this armor to empower us to keep standing against each blast 
of the kingdom of darkness. And we let this armor fight for us. Because it's already won. And the proof is the cross of Jesus Christ. So with Paul then saying, having fastened on the belt of truth, Paul is saying, look, you now have been given the truth to protect you. And this brings us to our first point. Remember the source of truth. Simple, but ooh, it's hard. For we have been given God's truth now through his gospel message that brings to light what is truly going on in this world and gives us the light to see Satan's schemes. It brings us, it brings to light the light of the truth about man, about who he is, and what he was made for. And it brings to truth about God himself and who he really is. For we have now been given sight to see and understand this world around us and the way it truly is. It's, everyone else wants to tell you the way it is, but the Bible is the one that tells you the way it is. We can now see things because of the gospel in which we believe and we now know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ who stated himself in John 14, 6, I am the truth. Truth is a person. You and I now can see that man's problem is sin. Sin is man's problem. And that the only one that can fix that is Christ. The truth that only Christ then can change men's heart for the better and bring true hope and true rescue to this world. We can now see that this, that this world and, and everything that people devote their lives to will amount to nothing and it will bring nothing of ultimate value to anyone here on this earth without Christ. Everyone dies and is judged at the end. It will, nothing that this world does or that we do outside of Christ will stop men's sin against each other on this earth. For without Christ, men's hearts, there will be no true solution to war, robbery, pain, anger, greed, lust, and so on and so on and so on. You know the truth now how this world is under the sovereign hand of God and that this is his world and all things were made to bring him glory ultimately and not man. The truth that mankind was made to glorify God and his ways and not himself. Everything we have was made for him. The truth that there is a heaven to gain, as the old saying says, and a hell to shun. The truth that there is a right way of living and a wrong way of living before God. All things are not equal before Him. For there is an order to things in this world, including our bodies that were made to glorify Him. We know the sad truth that man has chosen to rebel against God. And then we also know the glorious truth That God, rather than just throwing us all straight to hell, which we deserve for eternity, to be punished by his righteous wrath forever. We know the wondrous truth that he is a deep, unconditional love for sinners. And that his love is seen on the cross of Jesus Christ. It is truth like these that we are called, 
now to know and called to take up and dwell on as we live in this world. For as we do, the very armor of truth will begin to play out in our life as this world comes crashing upon us with its temptations and guilt and perverted ways and lies. For we consequently then, by dwelling on the truth of Christ and his gospel, which we have revealed will, uh, in scripture, we will begin then to speak truth, declare truth, and seek truth in all things, with all people, because we know the truth and we have been set free. Because we can see. Our character then will begin to be molded by the truth, to begin, li- to begin with living with honesty and integrity. Because what matters to us is that we are living in the very truth of Christ. Think of it this way. By putting on this belt of truth or armor of truth, we no longer need to pretend to paint. Let me, say, let me rephrase that. To painfully pretend that we have to be right. We no longer need to painfully strive with blood, sweat, and tears, and stress to win arguments at whatever expense. We no longer need to fight exhaustively to protect what little we have of your so-called reputation before men or to keep your sense of respect, some sense of respect, and keep looking good somewhat in the eyes of mankind or the person next to you or in your family or whatever. Why? Because we have the truth now. And we live by the truth because we have faith in Christ. And all that matters is that the truth can be seen no matter the consequences. That's it. Because Jesus is where we find all of our purpose, our worth, our dignity, our respect, our honor, our reputation, whatever. He's the one that clarifies how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a child, how to be a grandparent, how to be a worker, how to be whatever. It doesn't matter. See, we know the truth. We know Christ. And that he is the only one that can quench our thirst. That's it. He's the one that can only fully satisfy your hunger. And he's the only one that can bring true contentment to your heart. That's it. Everything else will fail and run out. This world will never and can never do that. And we know that truth. Though it will say it can, and it will bring about false and twisted facts to prove itself to you with its seemingly harmless yet perverted treasures that amount to nothing. But when we dwell on the truth or put on the truth of Christ, the belt of truth by faith, we stand in him. And we will be able to weather and ignore and uphold and hold fast to Christ because his truth is fastened to us by faith alone. And see, it's, he's the one that fastens it. And we will remember that he is our true provider and gift giver. And he's the director of our life now. We are in his hands and he's never going to let us go. So bring it on. And that's why we go to him to see how we should deal, how we should think. I'm going to say that again. How we deal, how we think about all things and all the people we interact with. 
We go to him to give us the right perspective on everything. Because we put on the, truth, the belt of truth by faith in him. Paul then moves on to the next piece of armor. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And here Paul says, remember why Christ came to this earth. This is what he's getting at. Remember why Christ came. Remember what was accomplished for you that you could never do on your own. This brings us to our second and last point. Remember the source of righteousness. Paul here is saying, remember Christ came to save you and me because of our sin, because of our unrighteousness before God. We were guilty, deserving of death because of our wicked and perverted, self-centered and prideful ways that made life all about us rather than God. Condemned we stood before God, but out of his love for sinners who were unrighteous. Before him, God graciously and lovingly sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live, righteous, to live righteously before him in our place. So our debt of sin, the sin that must be dealt with, for God is a just God. He can't just let sinners go free. For though he loves sinners, sin has to be punished because he is a righteous judge and not a corrupt one. So Jesus, the one who never sinned, the one who is righteous and lived righteously in all things before God was punished in our place and treated as the unrighteous. He was treated as the offender of God, though he never offended God. He bore the eternal fury and wrath of, uh, of God for our sins, though he had no sin in our place so that we could be declared righteous before God, so that Christ's righteousness then would be seen as our righteousness, though we had none. Our sin as his sin, though he had no sin at all. All through faith in him. So by faith then, in Christ, we are made forever right with God. We are now seen as righteous before him at all times, in all things, from the moment we place faith in Christ to the moment we die. We are declared righteous no matter what. So we put on this armor, or remember by faith in Christ, what we are in him. This is what he means by putting it on. We are to remember we are declared righteous now by faith alone. We're not to forget that. He is our uh, breastplate of righteousness. And then this in turn consequently changes how we live. In our, it changes our lives. For as we rest in his righteousness alone and not on our own, because ours is worthless, we begin to start living ever so slightly towards true righteousness in our life. Not to gain anything from God or to keep right before God, but simply because we have been declared right before God. And consequently, we begin, to living, we begin living to His ways. And I'm going to be very practical. And the way it happens is like this. When the world comes at you to accuse you of how unholy you are, when it comes pointing out all your flaws and wretched sins. When your failures are posted all around and your evil is exposed before you and everyone else. When you come face to face with your guilt and your failure of how you are not upholding the law of God. And it's served to you on a platter. And the one who is serving you is screaming at your face. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to make up for this? How can you call yourself a believer and commit something like that again? Do you not realize how much pain you caused? What's wrong with you? I thought you said you loved Jesus. I thought you went to church. I thought you read your Bible. I thought you gave yourself over to prayer time to be better, to do better, to, be, to live better. And yet you do this again? 
You worthless hypocrite. You are such a wretched sinner. When the world comes at you like that, or maybe you feel that way because that's the way you come at yourself when you see yourself in the mirror. I mean, I know that's how I think. You did it again, John? You're a pastor. What's wrong with you? You and me, because of this armor piece, the breastplate of righteousness, we can respond, yes, yes, I am a wretched sinner. And thank you for your great humbling reminder that I am always in desperate need of Christ in my life through faith in him alone. But praise be to God that God loves sinners unconditionally such as me. For his love for me is not based in how I live. It's not based in what I do for him at all. My right standing with him, my righteousness is not based upon my performance of his laws. But rather is based upon and in another, upon another's righteousness to which I now stand in by faith alone. And that other is Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news. And what's so amazing is this, is that as we stand restfully in Christ's armor by faith, we end up repenting of our sins. We grow in disgust of our sins more and more by knowing that no matter how much we sin, we are always seen as righteous before God through faith in Christ and that his love and favor and blessing will never be taken away from us no matter how hard we fail or how much the world or you point it out. I know it sounds backwards. I know it sounds strange, but that's the belt of truth of the gospel and the wonders of dwelling and putting on this breastplate of righteousness of Christ on our behalf through our faith in him. By seeing and admitting we can do nothing without him, this powerfully enables us by faith to live for him. Relying upon his gracious love for sinners alone through faith in him consequently enables us to live righteously before him and victoriously in him in this world of death and sin. Why? Because our eyes are on Christ and what he has done rather than what we do and can do for ourselves for him. Christ did all the winning and the work so we can just keep reaping the blessings or reap the blessings and the wonders of his gifts that he has earned for us all by resting in him through faith. The gospel is good news for failures and wretched sinners such as myself and you who just cannot seem to get it together. But Christ has got it all together for us by faith in him. So church, put on Christ. Put on his belt of truth. Put on his breastplate of righteousness and stand firm firm in him in all things. For he lived the life we could not live. He died the death that we deserved and came back to life to give what we could not earn. It is truly finished in him. Let us go to him in prayer. And feel free to come and pray with one of the deacons if you like. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the, the promise of the gospel, for the glory of your word, for the wonders of your love in our life. God, if someone doesn't know you here today, I pray today be the day that they realize that they are in desperate need of you, of what your son has accomplished, and they place their faith in Christ. God, I pray that all of us remember that we're always in desperate need. We never have it all together, but your son has put it all together through his life for us by faith in him. Help us to remember that. 
so that we can live victoriously in this world and not be overburdened by our sins and can flee from our self-righteousness. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.